Yeah. All right. We're here with Coach Benjamin Bunn. Welcome. Happy to be here. I feel, like I said, I feel um, underqualified to be on the podcast, considering who's been on previously. Well, you certainly are underqualified, but that's no reason not to be on here. Um, no, you got plenty of experience, and that's what we want to talk about. You, I've uh, we've, we've kind of met over the years, but I think recently I've seen you. Your box hosted a level one, and then you came through and did your level two, crushed yep. it. Yep. But I want to talk to you just about owning a box. You know, we get a lot of listeners that are box owners, that are coaches, that are athletes. And I always enjoy talking with successful box owners, which you are. I appreciate you saying so. So let, let's talk about it. Cigar City CrossFit. When did you guys open? So we opened in April of 2016. I, I literally, um, I was retired from the military um, in 2016. I spent 17 years in the Army. Um, I spent a little bit of time as an enlisted guy and held various jobs, but the, the ones that were the most important to me at the time were um, in the Special Forces, so I was a Green Beret for, for a period of time, and then later on went back to school, got my, um, my undergrad completed, and uh, went on to become an officer, and I was an infantry officer for a while, and then uh, I retired in 2016, and uh, I mean, I was out of the army on March 31st and I literally opened my gym or had the grand opening 72 hours later. So, I mean, I, I had a very quick turnaround and um, I essentially was planning for the opening of the gym like about really six months to a year actively um, before we actually opened the doors. And if you kind of talk to anybody that's ever known me, um, opening a gym was something I always wanted to do, something I'd always talked about. Um, and it was kind of like one of these like, sort of nebulous dreams that were kind of off in the distance. But as, uh, as my time in the army came to a close, um, it became much, much more of a reality. And, uh, and lo and behold, I mean, 72 hours after I got out of the army, I, I opened a gym, but I, I'd also ran a club affiliate when I was in college. So I had a, a little bit of experience, I guess. What makes someone put 17 years in and not stay for three more? Oh, it wasn't a choice of mine, right? It wasn't a choice. So I, I, I retired early. Um, I had a couple of pretty rough uh, medical issues that kind of caught up to me. Um, you know, a year or 17 years of, of pretty demanding jobs in the military um, took a toll on me. And, uh, and I, I exited out um, at 17 years, um, but have a pretty comfortable retirement nonetheless. Okay, so you're able to retire from the military and collect a pension. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. Really, really cool. So for one, thank you for your service. We always appreciate, you know, having military, as you know, Fern, military guy himself. So it's, it's yeah. awesome to have you on here. And, and let's talk about that. What, at what point when you were in the military, did you stumble upon CrossFit? So when I was, so when I had first joined the special forces, like I was not an athletic guy. So I have no athletic background whatsoever. And that, that becomes really obvious as soon as you watch me throw a ball or try and like sprint for a hundred meters. I look like a total goon. Um, and I'm very uncoordinated. Um, I didn't play sports, um, as a young person, but, uh, once I joined the military, um, I, you know, found that I, I liked it. Okay. I was in the initial invasion in Iraq and, um, I had a pretty good knack for just soldiering in general, but I was like terrible at the athletic stuff. Like, when you first join basic training, before you can even start basic, you have to be able to run. 
a mile in under eight and a half minutes and I barely did it. Like, and when I did, I like, I literally threw up and passed out. You know what I mean? Like I was the, just not conditioned at all in terrible shape. And so I started kind of like navigating things on my own. This was circa 2000 is when I first joined. And, um, you know, after my first couple of deployments, you know, and I realized that, you know, it wasn't necessarily like I liked war or anything like that, but I was like having a better time of this than everybody else. I should, I should focus on this in some way. And uh, I decided to join special forces. And because of that, I started getting into like what looked like niche athletics at the time. And no joke, I found CrossFit.com and it was still kind of like the scrolling WordPress kind of, you know, uh, webpage circa 2004, 2005. And, and like everybody who first starts uh, CrossFit, you know, I was just cherry picking uh, workouts. Um, I think I, you know, I, I was in uh, to Jim Jones at one point and like CrossFit, like all this like goofy kind of stuff um, and would kind of, was looking all over the place. But I always gravitated back to um, CrossFit because it seemed like it had a very interesting approach to athletics. They had this idea of general physical preparedness and they had much love for the military, law enforcement, first responder community um, because they had this reputation for ensuring that those individuals could condition themselves in such a way that would make them elite performers in a profession that absolutely demands that. Um, so I gravitated it towards it the same way a lot of young men and women did at that time. And that's kind of how I found it. I didn't really buy in until I went to my first level one in 2008, which no joke was Ginny Orr's second level one seminar where she was actually teaching. So it was like her, Pat Sherwood, Mike G, um, you know, uh, Jeff Titchener and like all these kind of like CrossFit OGs um, were all teaching my level one. So it was pretty amazing. So, you know, I, I was a, a definitely an early adopter and, and after I went to my first level one in 2008, I, that was it. I drank the Kool-Aid, opened up a club affiliate, started coaching uh, groups and individuals, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, you had some OGs there. I mean, most of them, with the exception of Jenny, aren't even coaching seminars anymore. So yeah. that's a long time ago. Now, you, you made it through, you know, another eight years in the military. What kept you motivated to open your own box as you were kind of leaving your past and moving on to the future? You know, for me, I always found that the reason I, I stuck with CrossFit for so long is particularly as a kid in the military, you know, I was always kind of moving around, um, find my, finding myself in new places, new homes, having to make new friends. And CrossFit always provided me with this bedrock. You know, I always knew that if I walked into a box, you know, I was going to find a bunch of like-minded individuals whose hobbies were exactly the same. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed uh, coaching a great deal and found that to be a great passion of mine when I was in college and I ran my club affiliate. And I wanted to be able to continue kind of, I mean, I, I had an inkling that I might open a CrossFit gym, um, but coaching groups and individuals was something that was just fun and interesting for me. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed standing in front of people and and, you know, taking them through the, the same journey. Because when I was doing it, I was just like in some weird, dingy locker room trying to figure it out by myself, you know, because it was, it was so niche that you couldn't even find CrossFit gyms. There was like... Do you, do you remember your first workout? Uh, my first workout was Cindy, for sure. Was that absolutely my first uh, CrossFit workout. I was terrible at pull-ups. I probably like maintained a, a, a crook in my, my elbow the entire time. 
definitely did not uh, go down to full extension. Just awful, terrible at it. Pro my squats were probably, I probably looked like a total bag of shit, but it was, you know, a heralding 20 minutes. It was difficult. Um, and I, you know, rarely found a way to, to kind of recreate that same feeling like I could during CrossFit workouts. So I just continually sought it out for that reason. So from 2008 to 2016, clearly CrossFit's morphing, it's growing, you know, and, and you have this desire to open your own box. By the time you get out of the military and you're ready to do it, did you have any belief that, you know, you hear this out there, it's like, well, it's saturated. I mean, you're in Tampa, there's plenty of boxes in the Tampa area. What kept you motivated and what were some of the thoughts you have? And, you know, to the people listening, you know, they, they have that idea, it's saturated. There's no room for more in my town. What went through your mind knowing you were going to open somewhere that there's probably, you know, 10 or 15 boxes already? This is what I'll, this is what I'll say to anybody that's listening to this, that has an idea that they're going to open up a CrossFit gym. If you think the market is saturated right now, then you've never walked through the bread aisle in the grocery store. You're insane. The market's not saturated, you know, not, not even in the slightest. You know what I mean? I think 14% of all Americans have ever had a gym membership ever. That means 86% of the people are running around out there. Now, what I did to quell my individual fears was I just ran Census Bureau. I mean, there's 240,000 people in Tampa, an additional 130,000 in St. Petersburg, and another 110 um, in Brandon. You know, I was, I was looking at like 400,000 people collectively, and at the most, maybe I would get three to 500 people at any given point in time. And I, you know, look, my cup overfloweth. I get it. If you're like in Decatur, Georgia, or some weird shit like that, and you've got like a town of 600, I understand that there could be some demographic issues in terms of your ability to open a gym and, and maintain a livelihood of some variety. And maybe it's just going to be a side hustle. But if you live in a big city, the only thing that's deterring you right now is your self doubt that's rooted in complete bullshit. It makes no sense whatsoever. More people need this stuff and they need it right now. Um, and meanwhile, the entire, as far as I can tell, Western culture is moving towards this idea that physical fitness and nutrition has to be an integrated part of our lifestyle. So everybody should be striking while the iron is hot. Now, I also get that we're in a period of reconsolidation. And if you're garbage at business, provide terrible customer service, don't hone your individual skills as a coach or just a lazy business owner, you're going to have a really tough time and you will fall prey to a market that does have competition present. But if you work hard, have the right business uh, practices, continue to try and improve your individual ability to coach as well as your employees, you'll absolutely crush it. You know, and I came into a market where there was like 12 gyms inside of, you know, five square miles of me. Four years later, I've watched a lot of those ones close down. Meanwhile, I'm still standing. Well, I always like to remind our, we have a nice admin girl. Her name is Sydney. And Sydney, she listens to this episode before the rest of you. But Sydney, right there, go ahead and cut that for our Instagram post. Because that was a great statement from Coach Bun. You know, you, you nailed it. I, I tell people the same thing. It's like, if you're fighting over the hundred people that already do CrossFit in your town, you're doing it wrong. And yeah. I think that's a great mentality. Like I like your analogy. I've never heard that, but yeah, the bread aisle, that's a I, good place to put some business cards. I'm telling you, I stole it. So I stole it for sure. I, I didn't come up with that. I don't think, I think I was listening to another podcast and heard that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity out there and all you need is a good work ethic and a little bit of acumen and you're good to go. So tell me about that. Let's talk about work ethic. That might not be something we've 
touched upon too often on the show. You come out of the military, you, like you said, 72 hours later, you open a box. How much work goes into that? How much work truly went into you opening that, the doors of Cigar City CrossFit? I, you know, the, the idea that, that I was, so what I never did was I never coached like nine classes a day for two years straight or anything like that. There was never kind of any of this goofy stuff where I was like, I, I mean, I for sure worked 16 hour days. There were for sure like weeks where I was napping in my office. Like I, I, you know, lived at my mom's house for the first six months. So where I got out of the army and had a very comfortable savings and could have, you know, easily, you know, lived off of the additional monies that I was getting from the military and just like not rushed for employment. Instead, I, you know, spent almost every dime that I had in savings and invested it into the gym, just like straight liquid cash, um, racked up a ton of debt. And then additionally, you know, you know, open this gym and which was 15,000 square feet. I did not start small. I wasn't one of these guys that like had a walk-in closet where he was training like 10 or 12 people at a time. I mean, I went big right out the gate. Um, but even though, um, it was a lot of work. I still don't think sometimes, sometimes I feel like I did it or didn't work hard enough. Does that make sense? And I feel kind of bad about that. And I'm like, damn, I could have done more. Um, but what I did do is I planned for months and months in advance. And I really took a professional approach to the organization. I wasn't just like, I'm just going to open the doors and figure it out. Like I created a budget. Um, I spoke with, um, you know, veteran representatives from the small business administration um, I got free templates online that help you create a business plan. I sought out SBA lending before I decided that I was just going to tap into my own uh, liquid assets. Um, I searched for and groomed a business partner who I knew would be very helpful along the way that I later on bought out. Um, you know, so I, I had a very professional approach to opening a gym that I think a lot of people don't necessarily have. And I just think they don't have it because they don't know any better, right? Like this, a lot of kids are just like, Yo, I was working at Orange Theory for a while as a coach, got burnt out, thought it was BS, found CrossFit, and did my own thing, not having had a lot of experience where, as I, you know, I had spent, you know, 17 years as a professional soldier, had managed groups and individuals in that capacity, you know, knew how to create results that were both qualitative and quantitative in nature. So I had a lot of professional experience. So I had a bit of a leg up on folks. So I wasn't necessarily burning myself out. But the planning that went into it uh, before, during and after, I think was more significant than what you see with most gyms that open up. What, what was something that the military taught you that you were able to then use to grow the business? I think the one that really was helpful then and is helpful now is, is radical accountability, right? And, um, and that's, a, that's a hard concept to wrap your head around and, and a lot of people are very comfortable with that. The idea that, you know, everything that happens inside your organization is a result of something that you've, you've done or failed to do. And everything that happens inside my gym, whether we lose a single member, or we have a payroll issue that cost us $19,000, or, you know, whatever goofy trials and tribulations we've run through as a business, I understand that generally speaking, it, it has happened or failed to happen because of me. I mean, I'm, I'm the master and commander. If, if I'm less involved, I see the effects almost immediately. When I'm very involved, 
I also see the effects immediately. Like when Coach Fun is in is taking group class and having a good time and glad handing his members on a regular basis, getting to know people, you know, sharing small affectations about his personal life, the gym is going great. If all of a sudden that's not the case, and that's the case with a couple of the coaches, yo, retention is gonna suffer that month. Guaranteed, you know. Sounds a lot like Jocko, right? Extreme ownership. I know it's not a green beret, a seal there, you know, but yeah. still. Said, I do not wake up at 4.30. He can have that. I'm not, you're not going to catch me. I did that for too, too long, and I get up at like 8.30 every morning. It's the best. <laughs> you, you've earned it. So yeah. what are some of the things you mentioned that, like, hey, when I'm around, what are some of the things that you see? And I, and I do want to touch upon this, something else that is really cool in Tampa is you guys get together as box owners. At least that's what I heard. When, I was, when you were taking your level two, right? A bunch of your Tampa affiliate owners get together. But before we touch on that, what are some things that you notice happen when you show up regularly? You know, so there's absentee box owners out there and they want this business to grow, but what are they missing out on by not showing up and taking classes and doing other things? So yesterday I got on Instagram. And um, I, we have a uh, class called Sweat, which is like an aerobic capacity class, right? And it's, you know, we have like a lot of uh, folks that do OCRs and this kind of stuff. They love running. And I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm for sure doing that. I'm doing Sweat today. I'm all about that workout. I'm going to get after that. A big 30-minute grinder that's like right, right up my alley. And I got on Instagram and I was talking about Sweat. And I was like, yo, who's going to jump in on class with me? And tagged a couple of my friends that I compete with in the gym. And when I showed up to that class, a bunch of people showed up thinking that that was the group class, not realizing that was our specialty class. And it kind of was topsy-turvy and it's the holidays. So it's kind of dead in the gym right now, particularly like later on in the evening, it's dark. And uh, there probably only have been like one or two people in that class, but instead like the class kind of got packed out because people saw what I was talking about, saw my excitement, and we're just like, yo, I just, I just want to work out with Coach Bunt. Like in, you know, there's things inside that there's, I tell my, my, my staff, the people on my team all the time, there's both official and unofficial leadership. And I tell my coaches, like, if the flat, you know, if the facility had a banner, your faces would be on it. You know, you guys are leaders and people respect and adore the things that you've helped them do personally but also respect and adore the things that you guys accomplish individually in terms of athletics. And even though it might not feel that way to you, the fact that, you know, Mitch can clean and jerk 275 pounds or that I can jump into class and, and, and really throw down and beat everybody despite having been injured and being just old as shit, people respect that and they think that's incredible and they aspire um, to be part of – of, you know, that feeling that you get when you're, you know, you're achieving these things that are, are difficult to do and, and it takes years to get there, but they see that you're just like a regular person working out next to them. And that's like a huge deal. And I think your members and your athletes want to be part of that. They want to touch the magic. They understand that you've been doing this for a long time and that in a lot of ways to them, you embody all these values um, that are really important inside the gym. And they want to be near it, you know, and the more that you can show face, the more that you can be part of their lives and show them that you're just a regular ass person. Um, that's a really powerful thing. And I think a lot of coaches and gym owners miss out on that. And a good friend of mine, Jason McCarthy, 
once said, you know, presence implies interest and boy, that stuck with me. And I think that is a big deal. You know, and the, the second you're not present, just seems like you're not interested. Do you make your coaches take classes? I know that's a big thing. You know, this day and age, coaches are less likely to be in class because they're doing their own programming. They think they need to do more. What's, what's your stance on that as a box owner? Pro staff is required to attend group class once a week. Once so, a week? Yep. And then the other days they can not train or do anything else they want, but at least one class a week? Yeah. And, you know, we had a staff that was, that was pretty varied at one point where we had one that was a nationally competitive weightlifter, another one who was competing in grid. Um, you know, Mitch at the time was like real into like Wilm Hoff and like hyperventilating in the mornings and all this kind of weird stuff. And uh, we had another guy who's like a power lifter. So it was like not um, unreasonable for them to just be pursuing different things. You know what I mean? I was like injured. So I was like doing just a PT regime that was like so lame and so boring. Um, just like tempo squats and farmer's carries all the time, essentially. Um, but recently, um, all of our coaches have kind of renewed their love for CrossFit and all of us who are exceptionally fit um, and, you know, regularly dominate the whiteboard are like attend, most of us attend class four to five times a week. And even though it's a bit of a directive inside the gym, I'm like, hey, if you're pro staff, if you're full time, you have to attend class because you need to show face, you need to know what's happening, you need to interact with the athlete base. But now it's even though it's a directive, I don't have to tell them they're just there all the time because it's fun. Yeah, class is fun. And, then, you know, it's the same thing I've told people about other stuff when it's like, well, I've got this programming and that program. It doesn't matter how smart or how good you think your programming is. If it's not fun, you don't want to do it. Yeah, not at all. And, I, you know, I was listening to the podcast. I was listening to a couple podcasts uh, for Battle Your Day, and I listened to Fern um, when he was when, – when you guys were talking to, to Coach Glassman, you know, and essentially, he, he had said this thing at the affiliate summit where he said, hey, just because, you know, you're, you're, you found somebody that does CrossFit better does not mean that you are still not doing CrossFit, you know. And then I remember also when you were talking about, you know, there was a point where your gym was essentially lightning in a bottle. Like you guys have like 500 members and you're absolutely crushing it. And your explanation was kind of nebulous. You're like, I don't have a laundry list of these 10 things that I accomplished to get it that way. We were just all having a really good time. Um, and that's kind of the magic of class. And like, we have open gym now and you're free to go pursue programming, but I can tell you right now, whomever is like in the corner by themselves, like a monk, you know, doing Invictus or something like that, they're going to see people start writing those times on the whiteboard on that little slice, you know, of the whiteboard where we put our times every day, they're going to see it. And the competitor in them is going to want to come over. And then when the competitor comes over and does well and they get to wave their fist in the air and say, oh, yeah, I'm a champion, it's going to dawn on them that why they, why they really had a good time isn't because they, they won, but because they were just doing it with other people. And that's kind of the magic behind it all. Were you able to see kind of that shift while you were in the military? You know, you found CrossFit early on, 2008, definitely an early adopter. And probably within a couple of years, it was when everybody went crazy with doing too much, too much volume. Did you, did you witness that? And do you think that it's almost uh, rectified itself at this point? Yeah. And, you know, guilty as charged. I was the same person, you know, like, you know, I'm out there, you know, doing triple grace or whatever and, and lifting before 
Um, and meanwhile, the thing I needed the most was just like virtuosity and the most simple of movements, right? Like just, I needed a better air squat as, as was evidenced at my level two certification, you know, where I came up, where I was always called to the center because I've got a terrible looking squat, you know? Um, but, uh, I think the pendulum is starting to swing the other direction. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, programming that's kind of like out there in the periphery and. You know, there's all different kind of things that you can subscribe to. And it seems like everybody's got their, um, their own version of CrossFit. But, you know, the ones that are doing the best are the ones that just look like .com. And, you know, I found particularly as a 38-year-old man, like doing one workout a day and maybe a little bit of accessory work that's been no joke prescribed to me by a coach at Active Life RX is like, that's the ticket. I like, I feel great. I'm, I'm moving well. I'm not in like horrific pain or anything goofy like that. So it's kind of a win for me. And I think the community is probably starting to gravitate in that direction as well. well I didn't realize you were working with active life. You know, Sean is a good friend of mine and of the show. He's been on a couple of times and are you finding benefit with working with them? Oh, hundred percent. So, you know, I, I had a laundry list of, of crazy um, injuries that I acquired while I was in the, in the army and um, they finally caught up to me after I was training exceptionally hard. Um, you know, I was, um, well, it's neither here nor there whose programming I was on, but whatever the case may have been, I, I, I very quickly um, burnt, burnt the candle at both ends until there was nothing left to burn. Um, I had degenerative tendonitis in my knee. I had back issues that were so bad that I was at the VA hospital like every 72 hours getting shots of Toradol like I was a pro ball player or something. I mean, it was bananas. I was messed up. And I finally was like, this isn't sustainable. And the VA was like, no problem. You're just going to have to go to PT, like essentially five days a week. And I was doing the calculus. I mean, that took me away from work and everything else I was doing for like three hours a day. And I was in there. It was like geriatrics. There's like some 67-year-old lady doing the hand bike. The lady who's essentially giving me coaching or essentially giving me physical therapy, like you know, uh, Jack Lane's ex-wife or something like that. She's wearing <laughs> weird. She looked just like a Romanian drug dealer in this weird Adidas fit and like was a little bit too excitable for me. And it just like wasn't good for me. And um, I had been using the Bulletproof Fat program through Active Life RX and it had a lot of good luck with it. And I was like, forget this, man. I mean, we sell individualized design in the gym. We've got like OPEX training think tank uh, coaches and all kinds of stuff running around, you know, helping people out. And so I was like, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite if I didn't seek out a coach for my specific issue. So I was like, screw it. And uh, I got on the phone with Active Life RX and, a, and a, a young lady named Pam hooked me up with Kate Dowd on the West Coast. And, you know, I'm squatting without pain for the first time in years. So I swear by it. I mean, if you've got acute issues, you've got specific problems and you're not finding a coach, you're bonkers. You know, you and I, we've seen each other recently, but again, I saw you at your level two. One of are you in either the or any of the Facebook affiliate owner groups? Oh yeah, a couple of them. One of my biggest issues in those groups is when someone kind of posts something like, "Hey, what should I do? My level two, or should I just do my level one again?" You you've come back, you know, as someone who's been around for a long time, and I'm sure you were revalidating, yep. right? But it was still a level two. What motivates you to go on for that continuing ed? And why is it important for box owners and all coaches to move towards that level two, level three, and ultimately the level four when it comes out? 
I, you know, I don't know how, to, how else to say it other than I have never, ever signed up for a CrossFit course and not felt good about it after the fact, ever, ever. I never showed up to the course and was like, oh my God, I walked away from this and I'm not a better coach. And I remember the first time I took my level two in 2014, and it was like in Padova, Italy, it was taught by like some British dudes and a couple guys from Australia who had like cool accents and were way better looking than me. I hated it. Um, and, uh, but I remember my coaching changed so dramatically over the course of 48 hours that not only was I in disbelief, everybody else was in disbelief. And after that, I was like, this is nuts, right? Um, like you're, you're foolish. Not, I mean like 10 out of 10 economists will tell you the best, best investment you can make is in your education. I mean like what the heck? Like, do it. It's the same reason I signed up with Two Brain Business, you know, around the year and a half mark. It's the same reason anytime there's a subject that I find that is, is interesting to me or I can't get to the bottom of it on my own, I sign up for a course. You know, if I can't figure the issue out on my own, I go find a coach. You know, it's when I was going to open up my own gym, the first thing I did was talk to other gym owners, you know. I mean, we live in an era where we have access to any information that we could ever want to or ever, ever want, you know, ever want or ever need. And you can get the best information if you're willing to pay a little bit for it. That's what's known as, you know, essentially those people, um, you, you know, are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consultants, right? You're paying for consulting, right? And there's a reason that that's a big business um, is because those individuals know best, you know? So you're, you, you get what you pay for. You, you, you have this kind of group going on in the Tampa area. Was there pushback from any of the box owners? Um, no, not always, you know, and um, I think for us, you know, we have a, you know, I guess you can call it like a mastermind, you know, I don't want to say mastermind though, because everybody's like, oh shit, he's getting ready to try and sell me Monat or like <laughs> or some essential oils or something. Yeah, but it's not a pyramid scheme. Definitely not. Like we just get together and we talk like best practices. And um, I think, you know, when we have a, a really big turnout, we'll have like 10 or 11 uh, gyms and studios, like seven of them are CrossFit gyms. We regularly co-promote. We have a lot of gyms that we're, we're great friends with. Don't get me wrong. Like, yo, for sure things get prickly. Like there will be times when like the school year starts back up or something weird and like, yo, like, we didn't have a 930 class at the time. We lost a couple members because the gym down the road had a 930 class. And I'm like, damn, got my members. I cared about that person. But at the end of the day, right, like you said, no, nobody should be out there fighting for those, that same 100 people. We should be fighting for the 86% out there that have never had a gym membership in their entire life. Right? Um, you know, as you say that, I think, and to this day, the hardest part for me about being a box owner was – when people leave, you do take it personally. Yeah. What, what to you is the hardest part about owning a box? It's, it's dual pronged, right? Um, number one is, is probably understanding that I'm, I am for sure in a customer service position. You know, you are. And sometimes I ask my coaches, I'm like, hey, what do you think is the most thing? What do you think is most important as a coach? You think it's just being knowledgeable, just the ability to coach on the floor, to teach an air squat? Do you think it's customer service or do you think it's sales? That's a trick question. It's all three. You should be good at all three. If you think that being a good coach means coaching an air squat, you're, you're bananas. You know what I mean? 
there's so much more to it than that. You know, there's showing up 15 minutes early with a plan. There's being friendly and approachable. There's the willingness to participate in difficult conversations, which presents itself every single day when maybe athletes say something derogatory to another on the icebreaker or somebody tosses their jump rope across the room. Like, how do we handle that? What do we say? That's what makes – you can be a good coach and just, like, show up 10 minutes early, coach the class, and then, you know, you know say sayonara to everybody and get the hell out of there. But great coaches are the ones that are doing all that other stuff that I talked about. And, you know, for me, that was the hardest part was realizing that, you know, if I'm frustrated with somebody or if I've had a bad day or if I think somebody's opinion about our programming is ridiculous or whatever the case may be, I can't say that. I can't be like, you don't like our programming? We'll tell you what, eat shit. You don't know anything about coaching. You got to get out of here. Hit the road, Jack, you know, because that's not how you run a good business. And like, you're also not serving that person well. Like, yo, be empathetic. Understand they aren't a coach. They don't know what's going on. They don't know program design. So like what you would be better suited to do and what's more difficult and right, you know, hard, take the hard right and be like, invite them to sit down and explain the programming to them. Hey, this is why we do what we do, man. I'll give you 15 minutes of my time and show you what it's all about. That's difficult to do. The other thing the other challenge has been um, figuring out how to um, motivate and retain my staff, coaches, coaches. Like you got to figure out, it was easy when I was in the army. Everybody was motivated by the exact same thing. Everybody's wearing the same shit, speaks the same language. You know, we all eat, sleep, and do whatever in the same place. Like we're all exactly the same. It was easy it's like if you had to ask somebody why are you doing what you're doing they're like yo because i'm a patriot i love my country i want to kill terrorists and i'm proud to be an american paycheck is pretty okay too <laughs> but if you can't do this you can't make those same assumptions about your coaches and the people that, that work with you you know all of them are motivated by completely different things and it has everything to do with who they are as a person their background where they want to go and it's up to you as a coach it's up to you as an owner to figure out all those things so that you're one, you're giving them what they need, right? You're getting them as close to their perfect day as you can. Um, and, and two, you know, if you know that they don't have longevity in the organization, you're going to do them the kindness of having you move either up or out. You know what I mean? And that can be painful and it losing athletes is hard. Losing coaches is 10 times harder. Oh my God, it's the worst. Well, not everyone has the luxury of having served 17 years in the military and having been a green beret. So for those other 14,999 box owners, what should they be doing to help develop the staff and to make sure their staff is as solid as yours? They need to, and it's, it's going to be difficult, but even if they don't believe that their organization is indeed a professional organization, they need to start pretending that it is immediately right? Systemize as many things inside your organization as humanly possible. Make sure that you're making your expectations clear and professional as well and compensate your coaches for what they do. Look, if you pay your coaches $15 a class and like, you know, slide them an extra like 20 bucks a week because they're like cleaning the towels, they're not long for this world, you know? And it's only a matter of time before them and about 40 of your athletes are going to pack up shop and open up a place down the road where they're going to do the exact same thing. 
And it's like this vicious cycle. My, um, my recommendation to, to owners out there is to invest in much, is as much as you can in your coaches as humanly possible. Pay them as much as you can. Send them to go get professional education. Ask them regularly what they hate doing in the gym and ask them regularly what they love doing in the gym. If they hate it, try and get it off their plate and give it to somebody else, delegate it to some other joker, whether it's cleaning bathrooms or hanging shirts. And if you find out that they love something like, yo, I love gymnastics, it's my passion to teach it, you know, create an environment where they can diversify their revenue stream by doing a gymnastics seminar or selling gymnastic programming or start a regular gymnastic class, whatever you can to ensure that that individual is being compensated the right way. They're enjoying their time in the organization and they're continuing to grow and learn all the time. You're good to go. They're going nowhere. The second somebody's like not having a good time, they're stagnating, they're not growing, yo, they are not long for this world. They are camping out. They're either going to go find a nine to five that they hate or they're going to go open up a gym on their own. Do you mind divulging? You don't have to, you know, give specifics, but for the box owners and coaches listening, what pay looks like at the box level? No, not at all. We're extremely transparent about our pay inside the organization. So first and foremost, we talk, everybody talks about their pay inside the gym. Anytime you get like a organization where they don't talk about pay, it's because somebody's, somebody's getting screwed. I'm not sure who, but somebody is not having a good time, you know, and it's usually the person at the bottom of the totem pole. So we talk openly about pay. Um, our pay rates start at $18 an hour and go all the way up to $32 an hour, depending on the level of certifications and experience that you have. Um, we have varied admin hours, low skill admin hours are around like $12 an hour. High skill can go all the way up to 18. Once again, it depends on the task. You know, if you're folding towels, that looks a lot like $12 or $12 an hour. Um, if you're creating a comprehensive like social media strategy that you're implementing on a regular basis, that's probably like $18 an hour. Um, we also um, give our coaches the opportunity to do personal training and individualized design. So for a premium, athletes can get programming that's tailored to them and their goals. Um, you can be personally trained. We have nutrition counseling inside the gym. We have regular uh, seminars inside the gym that last anywhere from like one day to six weeks. And our coaches 100% get to eat what they kill. So they get 44% of that. That number comes directly from two brand business. If anybody out there is familiar with Chris Cooper. And the four ninths model. Yeah. And he compensates in that way in order to take care of both the coaches and the organization. And it works very well for us. We have several coaches. I have one coach that's making an upwards of $60,000 a year. She's getting ready to make way more than that. Um, and then I have two others that are making well over $30,000 a year. My goal personally is by 2021 to have four coaches that are making uh, close to $50,000 a year. Of course, I know some are going to make much more than that, but the struggle is to get those four up to around 50K. And you mentioned that you also help contribute to continuing education. What does that look like? Um, so it really depends. Back in the day, we, we were kind of lockstep about it. Like I would just say you get one certification a year. Um, and that just like didn't make sense. Like I was like, uh, you know, they were like, is there no exceptions? And I'm like, yeah, I guess there is, right? You know, and I, I'm a big uh, believer in like you shouldn't make rules that you don't follow like open gym, you know, like if you're like, yeah. no, gym, but meanwhile, there's like a guy in the corner doing comp train, like you might need to revisit your rules. Like it doesn't seem like you're following. So it, it's on a case, case by case basis. I prefer that my coaches um, pick up skills and uh, seminars and certifications that I know 
are, are going to benefit not only them, but also the organization. But uh, I've paid for multiple certifications. Um, you know, like our coach Mitch is getting ready to take his L3. He just registered. We're paying for that 100%. I can see no way in which the organization will suffer as a result of having an L3 present in the gym. So I'm like, I'll pay for that. Um, I have a coach that I sent to PN, um, Precision Nutrition, and she's now participating in the incubation process for Healthy Steps Nutrition. Um, so I'm helping pay for that. I paid for her PN, and I continue to just pay for any uh, certification that I think is going to enrich both the lives of my coaches and the lives of the athletes in the gym. Now, that being said, that pendulum needs to swing both ways. I'll put their ass on a, on a contract in a heartbeat, you know. So I put a contract in front of them, and I just let them know what they owe me, and I let them know what's owed if they leave early, and I lock them down for a, an amount of time in exchange for, you know, me paying for their education. And everybody is fine with it. Yeah, I think that's important, right? You don't want to just – this is so great that you help your coaches learn and and – get further advanced, but at the same time, you don't want them going on your dime and then coaching at the box down the road. No, not at all. And, and I think, um, and, you know, people like expectations, you know, nobody likes it when they're just, you know, I, I had a big problem in the gym back in the day where I get mad at my coaches. They would like, I'd come bring out a vacuum cleaner. I'd be vacuuming. And I was like, I can't believe you guys are all just going to watch the owner vacuum. Heathens, <laughs> right? But like, meanwhile, at no point in time as, was I like, hey, guys, you should really pick up a vacuum cleaner and help me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I never made that expectation clear. So it's ridiculous for me to get mad at them. And that's what contracts are. It's just like a formal way of saying like, hey, man, you have some expectations of me. I've got some expectations of you. Let's read them black and white. Let's talk about them out loud. We'll all sign some stuff. And later on down the road, if either side gets a little weird or goes off rails a little bit, yo, we can just like revisit it and have a conversation that's real easy. Meanwhile, if you made some weird drug deal in your office where you're like, I'll let you coach X number of classes and, you know, or I'll wash your car or your girlfriend can have whatever, later on down the road there's going to be some bad blood because those expectations are not clear you know they're not contractual in nature yeah you're you're rarely going to find putting things down on paper came back to bite you in the ass yeah. <laughs> tell me about it yeah so as as this box owner what give me your biggest pet peeve what's your biggest pet peeve that the members do that the members do yeah Oh man. Um, and if you have more than one, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. And I'm sure as you're saying it, everyone listening is going to be like, I know that person. Yeah. Um, probably number one is, is when, um, and I hate this because I, I, you know, my athletes are for sure going to listen to this and they're for sure. Gonna, <laughs> I'm talking about them, right? You're not <laughs> talking about the person that thinks yeah. that you're talking about them. It's for sure. When people complain about programming. That's for sure when people complain about programming. Does and that still happen right now? Yes, not as often as it used to. But it's I was having a conversation this past weekend, and I said that to somebody. I said, it seems like that kind of has passed, but is it still happening? It is. It, it has passed a little bit. And I remember a long time ago, um, a, another gym that had been open for like eight years, and um, closed down very suddenly. Same thing. They had like compensated their coaches very poorly. And then like everybody was real shocked when they all like picked up and like opened up a new gym down the road. You know what I mean? Um, I wasn't shocked. But, you know, that was disruptive. It was disruptive in the community. It was disruptive for those athletes. So you had like 
all these like weird groups of athletes that were kind of like searching for a new home. And I remember um, one of the athletes from that gym asked me, was like, well, I have a couple questions about the program. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Cool. You know, they're like, how often do you do you do barbell work? And I was like, I was like, what are you like apprenticing with Chad Vaughn? Why do you need to know? Why do you need to know? I'm like, like, I was like, often, like, I mean, it's a CrossFit gym. We pick up barbells constantly. I don't like, do you need like a, like a number? Like you, I will guarantee you'll cycle a barbell and it'll be a hang power clean. It'll happen three times a week. You know? And I was like, that is the most uninformed question I've ever received. You know, it was like, what a better, a better question would be like, Hey, do you, you know, how do you uh, make sure that there's variance present or how do you make sure we're not overtraining or, you know, do you offer nutrition guidance that can help maximize how I perform in the gym according to the programming that you're producing? All those, I would have been like, Oh my, I would have probably offered them a job. I'd have been like, do you have a resume? I would like, I would like to offer you a job as a coach. But, um, but yeah, it'd be people like, Hey, my body needs to do strength and then a Metcon or I've heard that, you know, I gotta, I need to do a strength and a Metcon or else I didn't get enough. And I think a lot of times that's people um, who believe that fatigue and or soreness equals efficacy, which is not the case. It's a biomarker of sorts for sure. It's indicating something, um, but it doesn't always indicate that your programming is effective. It could, in some facts, or in some cases, indicate that you're about to be injured grievously. Yeah, it just, you know, it's, it's funny. I think that, like we were saying earlier, I think the trend is finally caught up. There's not too many people still trying to do too much. People are realizing, hey, hit classes, get into one workout a day, and, and you know, do that with intensity, and you're going to get results. Yeah, and I think that's the direction most people go. And right now, we subscribe to NC Fit. It's, it's put together very well. I know previously it could sometimes be tough to fit everything that they had on that schedule into an hour-long class, but I think they've really dialed it in. And they have a lot of great options, and uh, it's great programming. We've had, we never get complaints. We regularly survey um, our athlete base. We kind of shoot out surveys once a quarter to like get answers on like specialty classes and hours and like apparel. God forbid we don't we don't carry enough crop tops um, and this kind of stuff. And uh, we very rarely get complaints about programming ever. I, I personally love the NC Fit programming as well. The last box I was at in Naples, they did it. I think it's got great stuff going on there. Yeah, I think there are definitely times where I'm like, does Kalipa realize this is not possible to fit in one hour? Yeah. But uh, I'm like, they clearly did not test this class. But yeah. it's, it's, it's good to see. What about for your coaches? What's, a, what's one of your biggest pet peeves when it comes to the coaching staff? I'm sure they're all listening. But. Yeah, they're for sure going to listen to this. So one of the things that I used to hate that my coaches would do so much so that I had to like explain to them how to communicate is they would always, so I have like a guilty conscience. So if somebody says like, sends me a text, it's like, Hey, I need to talk to you when you get a chance. I'm like, I'm like, awesome. I like, this is bad news. Clearly. Oh, like, that's the worst. Yeah. I hate it. Right. And, um, like my head coach, like assistant manager, like my right hand man, you know, he's like second in charge of the gym, Mitch, he used to be so bad about it. He's going to hate that I'm calling him out on it. Right. Now. He's probably gonna... like, did someone die? Is he quitting? Like what's going on? Yeah. He's probably going to talk about this on the best hour of your day mentorship group chat. Like this will probably hey, come up. You that's know? all right. We'll tell uh, him he's wrong. Just all you have to do is if you're going to do that, just be like, Hey, everything's okay. 
Well, so that's what we did. I was like, I wrote, so I, I, I tested it out and I was like, all right guys. And I, I brought everybody in and I was like, check it out. I want you to pretend that I sent you a text that says this, Hey, call me when you get a chance. I need to speak with you <laughs> like that. And then I wrote it on the board and they were like, Oh, that's bad news for sure. And I was like, it's not though. Right. And I was like, so here's the thing. This is what I told them. I was like, anytime you text me ever for anything, I need you to tell me what it's about. I was like, I need you to tell me if it's serious or not. And I'd like for you to classify the level of urgency associated with whatever the request is. So I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. I've got a cool idea for Instagram. It is not urgent. You know what I'm saying? That's Re a, hey, if you're listening, this is a great tip right here, not just for boxes, but for life. I mean, my wife texted me Saturday night when I was out at the trainer dinner. And she's yeah. like, call me when you get to the hotel. And I'm like, what? In my mind, I just started thinking about what I did wrong. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I how am I in trouble? I've been gone for two days. Yo, but yeah. uh, everything was fine. I'm like, please don't do that. Yeah. And that's so, but I, I, we had that, we had a coaches meeting where I talked about that. And I was like, hey, let's, let's talk about how we communicate. Because we communicate, we over communicate at Jim Ron Slack, via email. Like we have a staff playbook that everybody reads off of that in itself is a form of passive communication. It's, I mean, it's a victim initiated. They got to read it in order to, to know that it's been communicated, but it's required. Um, and, you know, and of course we, we text each other when things are, are acute in nature, but, uh, but it's important because like little did they know they would send me into an absolute, like I was just like a ball of anxiety. I was like, Oh my God, what could it possibly be? Meanwhile, they just wanted to like, you know, tell me about an innocuous billing issue or we need more protein or, you know, something goofy like that. When, when you're thinking about owning a box, I like to try to give tangible ideas and, and, and things that box owners or coaches can start doing right away. Like what's one thing if someone's listening that they can do as a box owner to improve their box right now? Oh God, I know this sounds like so sales funnily but you should get professional coaching from somebody about how to systemize your gym better. Right. Um, I said, you've up, used two brain, you said, yeah, I use two brain business. So, so I take that back. You don't have to get up in Chris, uh, uh, Chris Cooper sales funnel right this second, go buy his book, go buy his book. Um, I'm actually re-listening to his book right now on audible. Which one are you talking about? The founder farmer tinker thief? No, that I, I, I went through that one the one time, but I'm, I'm revisiting um, his, initial, his initial book, Two, Two Brain uh, Business Revised. So like he had a, a new one that came out where it had like some additional stuff that was blown out. And I've been like kind of reworking through that in the new year. So like I, know, I knew that we were going to change some things in terms of culture, classes, staff shakeup, a couple other things were changing inside the gym. So I just kind of like wanted to revisit that because, you know, when I went through their incubation, the incubation process back in the day, I mean, that was like a six month process. I was on weekly calls and I had tons of take home work and um, it was exceptionally valuable to me. But, you know, it's, you know, the, you kind of get in your own echo ch chamber when you're around, you know, your employees and your staff and your athletes and you forget about some of those very simple lessons that they taught. Um, and like just things as simple as like having seed clients, like, Hey, identify the 10 people in your gym that spend the most money, have been there the longest and attend the most and just sit them down once a quarter, buy them coffee and talk to them. You know what I mean? Because those individuals have the most value inside your organization. 
and they got their finger on the pulse. They know what the hell is going on, probably better than you do. You know what I mean? They're on the group chat. They're sending around memes. They're about you, all this kind of goofy stuff. But they can provide like significant insight. And it's not just strategic issues. It's tactical stuff, stuff that can change today. You know what I mean? Like, yo, everybody hates the fact that you don't put foaming soap inside the damn bathroom. You know what I mean? And you change it and you immediately make everybody, like all of a sudden 30 people are having a fantastic time and are so happy and are like, damn, Ben listens to me. You know what I mean? Like I have a voice inside this organization. Um, so I would really, you know, don't try and recreate the wheel. There's a bunch of people out there who have done a better job at this than you and, have, and did so 10 years ago, you know? So I would get coaching, let, let uh, you know, professionals kind of guide you along the way. And even, like I said, even if it, it, it takes a little bit of money and you have to invest in it, look, you know, 10 out of 10 economists will tell you, an investment in your education is never wasted, ever. Um, so if you're not like seeking out professional education, particularly when it comes to how, how you run your business, you got to get on that, you know? And then like, you know, proof positive. I'm going through the healthy steps, nutrition incubation process with one of my coaches because as an owner, I just can't afford to not know what they're teaching her and see how it's going to change the face of my business. So here I am again with another two brain graduate going through more professional coaching and training because I care about my organization. I care about the direction my coaches are going. So investing in your education, man, it's like, if you're not doing it, you're wild. I think that's a great point. And it sounds like that's something that you really hold, you know, of value to you as a person, but then also at the box level. So I think that's great. Yeah. If you're a box owner, you know, take coach coach's advice here and it's either be, you know, signing up for something, like you've said, active life, you've talked about two brain, but at least get a book, read yeah. something. You know, how many box owners are like, I'm too busy, I can't do that. Fern's mentioned it numerous times, and you know I don't like to give Fern any credit, but you know, <laughs> it says 10 pages a day, 10 pages a day. You know, that's it. Educate yourself. Yeah. What I, I once heard somebody say, if you don't have uh, 10 minutes a day to, to meditate, then you should do it twice a day for 30. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been great chatting with you. What are what are some places that people can hear from you? We know you have your, you have a tremendous Instagram, Coach underscore Bunny, Cigar City CrossFit. If you want to learn more, is there anything else that you're doing or want to share with our audience while you're on here? That's that's the big highlights, right? If you want to keep your finger on the pulse for what what we have going on, I try and do my best to give away free information and add value as much as possible when I'm on Instagram. Sometimes it's just like videos of me and my dog or me and my son or something goofy like that. But more often than not, I, I talk a lot about what it's like to be a business owner, a lot of what it's like to be, you know, a veteran CrossFit athlete and uh, a lot of what it's like to just like, you know, exist in this space, you know, in the, in the fitness industry, specifically CrossFit. Um, so, you know, if this is the kind of stuff that interests you, that's the kind of content you're going to catch on both Cigar City CrossFit's page, um, which is at Cigar City CrossFit. And then also on my regular Instagram page. And I also have absolutely outstanding coaches. I, I am absolutely convinced there are no better coaches in all of Tampa than the ones that are in my gym. I, I've been very lucky to, to have them. Um, and it, you should absolutely follow um, the Cigar City CrossFit page just because you'll, you'll regularly see shout outs to them. You'll regularly see them posting content on the same page. And there's a lot of value to be had there. It's free chicken. Yeah, I love it. Well, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I appreciate you coming on and look forward to seeing all the great stuff happening there. I truly think 
you're doing things the right way. Everything that Fern and I talk about regularly, you're doing, you know, if not more and if not better, but it's really good to see that, you know, there's box owners that are just doing things for the right reason, you know, in 2019, in 2020. Yeah. And I'm super honored to be on the podcast and I really appreciate what you guys do. Like I said, you know, it's, it's hard to find resources out, out there where you're getting both kind of this tactical and strategic information, but you guys constantly are adding value to the community. It's, it's not unnoticed and it's very appreciated. Well, thank you very much. And hopefully sometime in the near future, you take your level three. <laughs> well, yeah. and get to, you know, we don't want to see it to level two again. We want to see it to your level three. Yeah. And I'm sure that's something you have somewhere on your radar. I do. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. We appreciate you coming on the show and we will certainly be in touch and talk to you again in the future. Thanks a ton, brother. It was good having you. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called dropping in premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the best hour of their day. YouTube channel. Now subscribe. So you don't miss any of the episodes you've probably heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well at best hour of their day, but I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of best hour of their day.